Oh, new year, new me, bud. That's odd because it's a new year, same me. No, it's still the same me, but hey, new year, new intro. Let's get it. that does not get you pumped up, I do not know what will. We'd love our new intro over here. Shout out to whoever made that. Shout out. Big shout out. That is that hotness. We might even be invited on like Suede 4 or 5 or something now, Jay. Yeah, since you're not going to do it, I'm going to go ahead and congrats myself on that. And I'm adding music producer to my LinkedIn profile. So What's very. your DJ name again? DJ <laughs> Snowflake? DJ Snowflake. Hey, coming to you live. DJ hey. Kentucky's Most Wanted. Oh boy, there he <laughs> yeah. is. If you haven't heard the show, now you know Jay's from Kentucky. There we go. Right, right off the rip. Welcome back everyone to the dare i say second season of the inner mommy podcast we did have a slight break so we could recalibrate over the holidays how was your uh your time off your your time spent with those that you care about it was great it was a little different and you know what it's funny you just said season two and that brings a big smile to my face there's there's people out there that didn't think we were going to hit episode two there there certainly are well yeah, we, uh, we, we silence those critics, I guess. <laughs> In our own creative, weird way, we did. But thanks for asking, good sir. The New Year's was a blast. We are excited for 2021. Spent the holidays down here. I know you went back up to Kentucky to see some family, your parents, and sounds like you had an awesome time. Even had a little bit of a white Christmas, to what I understand from what Chloe shared. And you know myself and Sherry spent it down here, down south, in the South Florida sun that we love so much. You know, had holidays down here, and we're excited to get the new year going. Very good, very good. Yeah, White, White Christmas was great, especially for uh, for Quinn. Uh, he woke up and started yelling immediately. I was like, no way he got out of bed, got downstairs to the Christmas tree to see presents. And so I jump out of bed, like, way too early. We're talking like 7 o'clock, and this is after... Yeah, knowing you is a whole drinking family, right? I'm like, oh my God, I got to get up. And uh, he's just at the top of the stairs just screaming because he he sees outside's all covered with snow. So very, very beautiful. Glad to be back here. At what age does a three-year-old wake up for Christmas morning? Uh, I think it was like seven. He typically wakes up like 637. Doesn't matter if it's a school night or or a weekend. So it does not coordinate with my... Uh, after our curricular activities, I partake in, but, uh, you know, we wake up, we, we, uh, feel a little groggy, whatever we, we wake up, we be the best dad we can, but, um, I don't, yeah, I don't know if there's a, we involved. It just seems like a, you problem. Yeah. It's mainly <laughs> Chloe doesn't have my, nearly as many issues waking up earlier. Like, like I do, but, uh, she guilt trips me all the time. We're not, we're not, we're not going to get into this right now. Okay. <laughs> let's just, uh, let's keep it moving. We, uh, we apologize for the slight break, but again, we are two what break. This is season two, bro. This is season two. We did enjoy a few weeks off, though. We are normal people. We do like to decompress and relax a little bit, but we are even more excited to get back on the mics, kick off this second season, which has already had several um, mix-ups occurring that we're going to experience together as a team, per usual, as a family, La Familia, as we like to say. But uh, you are now tuned into the Inner Miami podcast. Please follow us on social media if you do not already. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Inner Miami Podcast, and we are on Twitter at 
Enter MIA podcast. Uh, we do have a website, intermiamipodcast.com, and we have some special news brewing about a new technological forefront we're about to get into. But yeah. uh, we'll, we'll leave them hanging early. on that. Yeah, we'll leave them hanging on that one. But, uh, you know, check us out. Leave us uh, a review if you are so inclined, preferably a, a nice review. Uh, if it's a mean review, you know, just you know, keep it to yourself or email it, you know. We'll give you options. <laughs> Prefer email. But uh, yeah, Jay touched on something pretty fun that we have in the works. Um, that should be some new releasing news. But Jay touched on it all. Uh, if you don't do so, please follow us already. Tell your friends. Tell your frist- sisters. Tell your TS. Tell your TS. We love the TS around here. Tell them about the Inner Miami podcast. We had the season finale of season one go down a few weeks back where we handed out some pretty special awards. We actually weren't really expecting for too many people to uh, listen in on that episode, given a little bit of a break from after the season where our uh, 2020 campaign came to a close against Nashville. But uh, a lot of people wrote in, said they loved the award show. Definitely something that we're going to go ahead and continue. Yeah, no, it was an excellent uh, turnout. And uh, hey, you know, the team agreed with some of our uh, our picks here. So uh, just quick recap in case you did miss out on the first annual Miami Podcast Awards. Uh, LGP won the Defensive Player of the Year. David Norman Jr. won the David Norman Jr. Sportsmanship Award. Coveted. <laughs> Highly coveted, coveted David, David Norman Jr. Sportsmanship Award. Uh, Breck Shea, of course, hands down winner of best hair game, not only on the team, but probably in the MLS over the past 10 to 15 years. Maybe in North America. Maybe in North America. Uh, ben Sweat Rip to our boy Ben, friend of the podcast. He is no longer with the team. We will get into that later, but he did win the assist of the year from his dirty left foot cross into Carranza for that rainbow header against our little brothers. You may know him as Orlando City. We know them as the name we will not speak upon. <laughs> Goal of the year was given. That, to, I, did, I did, I did. I make myself laugh. I'm too corny. Um, Gonzalo Higuain won the goal of the year with his free kick, which everyone should remember. Mr. Clutch was none other than Lewis Morgan himself, who also took home the MVP award from us. So Lewis Morgan taking home two awards, uh, and he did get the official MVP award from the club as well. So very, very happy to congratulate Lewis and continue to uh, to watch him play on the field. I'm you know, getting nervous when anyone in the MLS does good because – they're probably going to get taken by someone in Europe. And I know several teams are showing interest in Lewis, although his uh, his mother's reassured us that he's very happy, very content with Miami, with living in Miami and with the, where the club has a vision for. So hopefully he will be here for a, a long time in the future. And uh, best moment collectively was making the playoffs. Yes, for everybody listening to the podcast, do rest assured, you know, as we started to get rumors of Lewis Morgan getting approached by some teams internationally, we did decide to message his mother, Veronica, which she does ease our concerns a bit and says that he is perfectly happy down here. So hopefully we have him for at least a couple seasons, maybe at least just one more, but whether or not we got to make something happen here in the new season. So yes, uh, making the playoffs was another great moment. Jay and myself were at the game and that was huge when kind of there were, there were four different matches happening all Mm -hmm. in, you you know, all at the same time, figuring out who's going to have seating, who's going to make the playoffs, who's not. And, you know, not to mention we did play that game in a freaking hurricane jay 
we did. And, uh, what, uh, what an experience. I will not forget that. I really will not. That was such a fun time. Super soaked. Uh, we did the pregame show, uh, that game as well. So just through and through great day felt amazing making the playoffs. You know, that joy lasted a solid week until we came out and, uh, I don't even know who went out on the pitch against Nashville. It was a, it was a sad game three. Oh, we're not going to talk about it. We're going to stay positive, but yeah, now is the, the off season, which a lot of people, you know, this is one of the most favorite times of this season because, you know, acquisitions happen, players get traded, players are cut, players are not re-signed. And we're currently going through that uh, in the thicks of it, really. Um, we're going to have to rebuild this roster. We are basically, uh, just a preface before we go through all this, we're <laughs> going to be restarting with a clean sheet now and basically in a brand new build out. Yeah, I it seems like we're pushing the restart button a little bit, you know, in our leadership group, we're really looking at, you know, two huge pillars down out of three. And really we're just remaining as Jorge Amas and uh, David Beckham, which, you know, we're going to talk about news around the club, but obviously Jay touched on it. There was some big dominoes to fly. And, you know, we had discussed, you know, the potential of moving on from players and even coaches at some point and, and never in our wildest imaginations would we have been thinking that Paul, who leads our sporting director, which is really which is really the person who's in charge of player management and really going up and down this roster. And, you know, if we're breaking this news, you're a little bit late, but he is no longer a part of the club. Yeah, he is out. Uh, a lot of people, you know, think that it was tied to the performance of the season. Um, yeah, we were all expecting to be the next Atlanta United, the next LAFC. Turns out we were the next uh, Cincinnati FC, which, you know, here, here's a good the only place to go is up you know there's not really much well you know when you set the bar you you know that's where you're gonna set it right now which is not where we want to be but it's where we are currently correct correct so you know we we do thank paul i mean coming on and uh he has quite a reputation you know um yeah this might not have been the showing yet at, at atlanta or um you know or orlando city wasn't really that great so we're not gonna really go there but Look, yeah, there's been some hardships. Maybe some of the player acquisitions weren't exactly what we needed. I think it kind of gets tied into, you know, the next massive change, which we'll get into, which is Diego Alonso. Um, but, you know, kind of looking back on this season, I mean, we still got Lewis Morgan. We still got, you know, Breck Shea, who's gone with Paul everywhere he went. A, a major concern of mine was that Breck might not resign with the sh- with the team since he kind of sticks with Paul McDonough. But Breck uh, will be coming back. And, but, you know, really more importantly, like that Matuidi deal was beautifully orchestrated for, mm-hmm. for Tam money for not a, a DP spot. Again, we have Pizarro, we have Iguain. So we did get some good pieces. You know, we, we actually have a foundation to start with now. And I think we can build around that. I think initially earlier it was build a team without your stars. And now we can have the stars and build a team around the stars. You touched on some pretty big points and especially with Matuidi and Iguain and, and you know Pizarro and folks like that now I got to ask you on the flip side though Jay do you think that you know outside of Breck Shea because he does follow Paul around where he seemingly goes but these other big time names like the Matuidi's and the Iguain you know coming over from Juve do you think that's more of a Beckham or a Paul influence to bring him over to the MLS I think it starts with Beckham but I think Paul plays an integral part in that regardless um it, if we didn't have David Beckham as the the face and name of our franchise, would we have those players? I think probably not, but I still think that he has business acumen um, in this league, which definitely played a part. 
And that's the good news for everybody right now is the fact that David Beckham is still a part of this club. So who's ever stepping in? Well, well, hold on now. David. (laughs) Well, from what you just said right now, the conversation would have never sparked if David Beckham was not a part of the formula. Therefore, David Beckham is still a part of the formula. Therefore, I believe Inter-Miami can still ignite and instigate those types of conversations with world-class players like your Matuidi's and your Iguain's. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, David Beckham's the whole reason this franchise is in place. He's the whole reason that football's back in South Florida. I don't, I'm pretty sure you can't fire David Beckham. I, I like, I don't well, think he, Moss has the overruling. <laughs> I don't think Moss has the overruling power to do that. Uh, the good news is that, but I think you're kind of leading into is that David Beckham said that he's going to take a more hands-on approach this year. So what exactly does that look like? We have yet to see, I, I would imagine, um, you know, and let me kind of, I guess, start this off with you know david hasn't been in miami since march since uh, probably honestly the lafc game when he was there i don't even know i can't remember if he was at the dc united game but he did go back home and then COVID happened and you cannot a lot of people were complaining like why is david beckham not more active why is he not here and straight up there was a travel ban from europe coming into the united states due to COVID. so he literally just came back to South Florida for the first time since March. So any strings that he was pulling was was probably from a super ritzy, you know, high-rise loft in in London or wherever, you know, his house is probably all over the place. So a lot of his stuff was very hands-off, dealt with a lot of over the phone, FaceTime, email interactions. Now that he's here, um, and allowed back into the U.S., I do uh, I do expect him to get more involved with kind of the day-to-day going on, the inner workings with the club on site. Yes, and really the hope is that while he spent his time, you know, overseas, you know, spending his time in Europe, he was building more relationships with players overseas as well. And, you know, that is something that, you know, we're, we're hoping that was going on along in the background because, Jay, you're right. I think with him being back in the United States, you know, staying here, you know, the season's looking to target, you know, that March uh, kickoff time. So he should still be in the United States based on what I'm understanding. And, you know, if that plays a better role for us, you know, being a little bit more hands-on with the team awesome but you know the big revealing part that i saw about this huge transition you know over the offseason with paul and diego leaving the team is that you know that not only tells us where the club is today but also gives us a insight into the turmoil of what was going on during Mm -hmm. the regular season and you know i don't want to take this lightly you know being an expansion team in any sport right baseball basketball football soccer however you want to look at it it does have its challenges that a team who's been established and around for years does not have right it's not new to them overall as a concept so as this team was going on and being introduced to new challenges that we've never seen which is you know covid and stopping the season starting the season and then being thrown in the mix with a new tournament that gets in mid-season and then you know dealing with some of these covid outbreaks that you know in relation happen over the course and losing a few players to international call-ups which is something that all mls teams have is is that this actually shows you probably some dis like miscommunication, disagreements, you know, disconnect that some of the decisions going on with either on the pitch or off the pitch we're having to the point that our, you know, director of, you know, sporting operations and our head coach are no longer here. Yeah. I, I think there's just a difference of visions on, on where the club could go. I'd imagine, you know, 
Jorge Moss and David Beckham probably had several talks in, in their vision, but then Paul might have had a slightly different vision. Diego Lonzo might have had a different, you know, vision as far as managing the players and, and playing styles and how you really want to coach these individuals. Uh, you know, and, and yeah, it was kind of shielded from the public, right? Nobody really knew that maybe there were issues. I think everyone, obviously the fans wanted better results, but the club is pretty hushed, hush about, you know, being vocal about any disagreements that were, were happening. And then, you know, that kind of led us into this unique situation where it sounds like it was described as kind of a season one wrap up and season two expectations meeting with Diego Alonso that, you know, he walked out of this meeting thinking he was fired, sharing that he was fired. Then the club was like, no, it was miscommunication. He's not fired, but, teams that already reached out to him to see, you know, maybe they could get him Diego Alonso to come coach, you know, their team. And then he thought he stole the job. And then, you know, you, he, I'm sure he started seeing the rumors, you know, of like Phil Neville, um, you know, being reached out to and, and, and which is one of David Beckham's, you know, very good friends. So that must've been a very tough experience for uh, Diego Alonso to go through kind of riding on the wall situation there the, you, you know you know you're absolutely right and i think that the the troublesome part of this was that typically when you see an organization go through this amount of turnover you typically keep you know one half of the puzzle right either you're deciding on staying the vision of the head coach or you're deciding of staying in you know the sporting director's vision of the team now in our case we actually got rid of both of these folks so uh, that's a much more deeper rooted concern to me personally, but it kind of allows us to push the restart button because, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about who, who is no longer on this team and also who is now on this squad and players who've re resigned and things like that. But to your point of 10 minutes ago, Jay, you know, without Paul, you know, who knows if, if a Mama Tweedy, you know, was signing that contract that he agreed to come along with. You know, who knows if Gonzalo Higuain is going to be here? Who knows if Pizarro is on our squad? And, you know, who's ever taking over this club at the next turn, which is right now, is going to get their hands on a very, very solid club with some huge pieces. And also something that we touched along the end of season one was an ownership and a management group that is willing and able to spend money, which is a big, big plus for us in the MLS. Yeah, I mean, 100%. You know, there, there is an interim, uh, like athletic manager or, or sporting manager, not a, a full-blown director who is, is kind of trying to handle all this in the interim. What I would like to see, you know, I, I think that David Beckham kind of wants to take on more of that sporting director role, right? I think he wants to be, uh, spend quite a, a bit of time in South Florida and trying to kind of quarterback these moves that we're making and, and, and where the club is going. I, you know, kind of joked on a, on a, a you know, Facebook post that, you know, Beck should just, should just be the interim uh, manager for the team right now. And, uh, you know, someone's like, are, are you kidding me? And I was like, well, I mean, like, it'd be interesting to see, but it not, I mean, look at his, look at some of his friends that he's played with, you know, like Zidane who, uh, did amazing with Real Madrid, you know, Pirlo is now the head coach of, uh, of Juventus. And then that leads us into, you know, one of his very, very good friends and somebody he's known for a long time, somebody he played with it, which was, uh, you know, Phil Neville and it looks to be the probable replacement. I mean, I already shared that, um, you know, inside sources are saying this is basically a done deal and Neville will be the new coach and he's going to bring in a, a whole different mentality to how a team should play. Uh, 
kind of what I took away from it is that he wants to play a very short pass possession, flood the midfield, flood the central, uh, you know, of the field to really control the game and stop, you know, having such gaps of possession and then relying on a counter attack, which, you know, is, is funny to me because that's kind of how Diego Alonso described his playing style and where he was wanting with the team was no long balls, you know, possession play, short passes, tiki taka, right? But then, you know, you see the season unfold and, some people think we got worse as the season went on, but there was a lot of more, we became more of a counterattack based team where we just given up so much possession and then try and strike real quick. I think Neville, you know, is going to get in here and try and make where we are controlling the game. Well, we may have been worse. We, we just may have had better players, you know, that, that that's a point too in, in itself. And, you know, not, not to berate this point for too much longer, but you know, we expected, at least year two, right? Yeah. Where year two were to happen with Alonzo, I think it's very difficult to ask someone to step in year one and create a championship, you know, atmosphere. Obviously, Paul did that at, you know, places like 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 Atlanta, right? But that's not your norm. Well, but, you, you know, he was just, a, he was a sporting director. He wasn't the coach as well. So, you know, that's a, that's a lot of pressure on a coach. Very like, true. You didn't pick these players. You're just supposed to get all these people together and then f- make them play beautifully to win games. And I think that, the reason we haven't had that many signings is maybe they're waiting to get Neville in there to get more of his input as well. That's a good point as well. And I guess what, what really the root of this issue is, is that that, that communication seemed to have trouble throughout the mm-hmm. entire year. For the fact, again, going back to a few minutes ago, is the fact that both of these gentlemen are gone it is not a good sign. Like, yeah. well, typically ownership does side with one way or the other. Now you're really pushing the restart button. So we'll see, though. I mean, hey, listen... From our record, which was not that good, we were looking at seven wins, three draws, and 13 losses at the end of the season, and that's just simply not good enough. So who knows? You know, sometimes someone with a better vision, someone with a better understanding of the league, someone with a better understanding of the tactics, someone with a better understanding of what's going on will step in and do a little bit better. 100%, right? Again, there's... You know, it wasn't like we had really dropped down any lower, right? We can only we only get a little better. So, I'm not completely against complete reset if it puts you know the right people in place. And then by all means, I think as long as David Beckham is the face of this team, you know the MLS is kind of known for being a, a league that European superstars go to to retire. But I think as long as David Beckham is the face of Inter Miami, that that is a premier MLS destination. And I'm what I'm hoping is that over 10, 15, 20 years that the that inter miami becomes known as the premier mls team for european stars or south american stars to come to i'm hoping we kind of create this like almost like a tornado vortex vacuum whatever you want to say where like this is where you go like where they know like i'm going to retire in six years i'm going to play four more years you know on a high level in europe and i'm going to go take my last two years to inter miami to david beckham's team but also it's a desirable destination to, to live and retire in as well. Yeah. And listen, you know, that is great. And as the, you know, idea that MLS continues to grow in popularity and, you know, the United States and also on a world, you know, scale, we, we'd also hope for this, you know, league not to be just, you know, the end destination of the final road, you know, the last 10% of someone's career, but actually bring them in, you know, some of their primes. And this is where the league is looking to get to, but, you know, outside of, you know, bringing in worldwide talent, we also have a beautiful, beautiful, 
facility that's one of the best in the entire country. And, you know, we got homegrown players like Felipe Valenzuela, who we're going to talk about, or, or Edison, you know, those folks who played on that club and who are coming through our homegrown system, which is pretty exciting as well. It is. I mean, you look at the World Cup uh, that's coming up. You look at the United States men's national team right now, and, you know, these are no longer MLS players were thrown together to compete against European juggernauts, right? These are, you look at our roster, it's 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 beautiful, right? You got Christian Pulisic, got, you know, I love him to death. Chelsea, uh, stud Gio Reyna from uh, Dortmund, stud Weston McKinney's playing at Juventus with Cristiano Ronaldo. Sergio Des is starting at Barcelona. We're getting a lot of these younger kids coming from European academies. This was the first season that Inter Miami was even an organization, really, uh, from a you know an athletic playing standpoint. Uh, this is also the first season that the academy's been in place. So we haven't really seen what our academy could do. We've always kind of joked to like you might not even have to participate in like a, a draft if you had a Miami football team right you could honestly just hold open tryouts because it's the it's the entryway for all of Latin America into into America basically so these kids grew up on soccer these these, these individuals love soccer there's a lot of talent people down here that might be you know working sales or or even stocking shelves or, or you know doing deliveries or stuff around Miami they just never really got their shot so there's a lot of talent down here. I think our academy could be lethal and we're starting to see our first signing coming out of it, you know, but there's going to be a, I, I think we have potential to have easily a top five academy over the next five years. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, the MLS has really been targeting Miami for quite some time and they just needed the right ownership group, which fortunately exactly. for us, Jorge Moss and David Beckham were a part of. And you know, the, the don't get it twisted y'all like, the MLS has tried to have a team down here. They they have wanted a team down here for quite some time. And to your point, you know, someone like, uh, you know, Felipe Balancelo, who we're going to talk a little bit about down the line, he's from Kendall. Shoot, I used to live over on Sunset in the 97th. Like, that is right down the block. So, you know, this idea of creating these homegrown players, you know, this is why the MLS has wanted yeah. a team down here for so long. I mean, in so Georgia Costa, I mean, he was interested in getting playing time, but, I mean, he, he's a know, West he's, Palm Beach guy. Yeah, he, he's from down here. I mean, there's... There is a lot of talent down here, and this academy will develop it, and once it really starts to get its feet cemented, like we could really pull some lethal players, lethal players, which is great because then, you know, most of the time when you're, when you're signing these people, you're talking about low-cash deals, so you're not worrying about any, any GAM, any TAM, any DP slots, anything like that. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, you know, hey, we got we to gotta figure out a way to sign Quinn eventually sometime, right, bro? Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> but with uh, these players that we're talking about, a no homegrown system and, you know, with a couple departures like Paul and Diego, there were a couple players to leave us. So uh, actually in total, not just a couple, there were nine total players, Jay. There are nine total players, man, to leave us. Yeah, it's... Uh it's sad. It is sad. Now, I'm not going to do the sad sound effect right now. It's all right. Um, but we thank them for their time here. We know that right now we are going to pretty much do a complete roster rebuild um, with a more active David Beckham. Hopefully, we get this Neville announcement very, very soon. Uh, we've had a lot leave. We've only had one that, that we've really acquired, uh, who's also you know a young player, came out of this, this most recent uh, MLS uh, Super Draft. But a lot of work to do. It'll be very interesting to see, you know, some of the, the, the players were our plug and play guys who stepped in when we needed them. So we're going to need to try and uh, at least at the minimum find players that we can still plug and play. But what I'm hoping for is we can identify some new, 
you know, starters or, or people that can fight for a starting spot to really up and revamp this team because there's a lot of potential. We got big name players and if we have the right pieces in place and, you know, it, it should be a, a lot easier to see the results that we all are expecting from a team like this. Yeah. So to highly go over the players that are no longer a part of our club, which we do wish them the best wherever they may go. But first to lead us off is AJ De La Garza leaves for the New England Revolution. Um, you know, Jay, this is like a this is like kind of one of those like behind the scenes under the radar types of losses, because it seemed like. AJ was someone who we could always plug and play, especially on the back line when we were dealing with red card, you know, or, or yellow card allocation to remove a player from our back line. He seemed to be the player that would be able to step in, hold it down for us. But unfortunately for us, he is no longer here. Yeah. Quite, I mean, quite some experience in the league. Uh, he is being reunited with uh, Bruce Arenas, uh with the New England Revs, who uh, he played with when he was playing for the Galaxy. So, uh, you know, this is, this sucks, right? Because like, it's kind of sad, but you know, obviously we thank them for their time. We wish them the best, best of luck in the future. Um, you know, I just think the team's looking to go a different route. I agree. And obviously this wasn't a starter, but we will get into some of the starters, just like our next player to go ahead and depart to the Minnesota United, Mr. Will Trapp, who is someone we had on the podcast. And, you know, he found himself in our starting 11 for, you know, honestly, a about most of the season, you know, I know him and uh, Uyoyo were the ones who are battling more for that midfield spot. And it seems like the team has made their decision to move ahead with Uyoyo, which I know was getting playing time toward the middle of the season. But it seemed like towards the back end, actually, Jay, Will Trapp was the one who was getting the start. Yeah, I think they were kind of seesawing there. Everything everything changed once Blaze Matuidi came onto the scene because he was definitely going to occupy one of those CDM spots. The, the interesting thing to me is... You know, Diego Alonso was so gung ho on the four two three one. Like, mm-hmm. what what's mm-hmm. Neville gonna want to run? Is he gonna mm-hmm. want to run that or a four three three or a four four two? We don't know. So, you know, this one's interesting. There is some speculation you can make around this. Like, if you know Neville comes in and has a completely different formation, does Will Trap fit into the starting eleven at that time or not? Well, Will Trap's not gonna be on our team. Well, yeah, but I'm, you know, but hypothetically, I'm saying like, was this maybe a little too soon? But, you know, he's going to one of the best teams in MLS. He is a, a through and through amazing person and a, a solid and reliable uh, football player. So, you know, again, best of luck, Will. We we will definitely miss you. I'm sure there might be a game or two where we really could have used you and, and, and we're hurting. But uh, hey, you know, I'm, I'm sure your future is going to be bright. You definitely have the right uh, skill set, but also mentality and attitude to to really continue in this league. So. We'll miss you, buddy. Yeah, that's a player who has played on our national team at one point during his career. He's definitely been a, you know, not even like a journeyman. He hasn't like traveled to a lot of teams in the MLS, but he has played in the MLS for quite some long uh, time. So he's someone we're going to miss. But overall, yeah, I mean, he might not be the most talented person on the field, but he's going to be the hardest worker on the field. Absolutely. And his leadership is something that you can't discount. But Anyway, good good move for Inter Miami. I think at least making the decision, moving away from Will Trap, and you know instigating Uyoya, and let's see how you know some of these acquisitions happen over the off season. But at least they made that choice, and you know, kudos to Will. Wish him all the best in Minnesota, and you know, Minnesota, you got a good guy and a good player. So you really did, you really did. But now we got to give up our class clown, right? You know, we got to <laughs> give up Mikey Ambrose, who was consistently one of the uh, players yeah. that a lot of. A lot of the the uh, teammates said home. was one of the, the funniest people. Yes, yeah, so he's returning home to uh, Atlanta United. Uh, obviously, I know we won't. I doubt any other uh, fan who watched you know 
almost all the games, if not all the games, would forget his laser from outside the box on Cincinnati to send us into the playoffs. But um, I think he's got potential. And, you know, as much as some of these hurt, like, you know, it's a good opportunity because hopefully they're going to get more playing time and exposure at their new clubs and, and be able to reach the uh, the level that they, that they want to be at. It's going to be interesting seeing, you know, Mikey go back to Atlanta. Is he going to get more playing time? I mean, Atlanta is some team that's been waiting on the cusp with Yosef Martinez, who's been out the entire, you know, last year with injury. You know, they're going to jump back into the fold. So don't think yeah. this is the same Atlanta United team that we beat the shit out of the last year. No, it's not. I mean, they did get rid of a lot of their uh, their other good players, uh, kind of sell and rebuild as well. But yeah, you know, Joseph Martinez will be back. Uh, that's going to get to the level of, rival- level of rivalry that I think that we were all expecting prior to, to Joseph Martinez going down and then the struggles they had. But this Atlanta should be a perennial uh, contender in the East and, and a perennial uh, adversary of, of Inter-Miami. And I think even maybe more so than what Orlando will be. Yeah, and who knows, you know, when we began this podcast, you know, geez, man, it's about like 18 months ago or so, we were hearing from the fans that we were thinking Atlanta United was probably going to be our rival, right? You yeah. know, not not just Orlando City, but, you know, everybody's got to have that other bad blood team. And honestly, you know, Orlando City and us are split right now in the Copa del Sol match with Inter-Miami podcast Del Deemed. We are 2-2 two and two against Orlando City, but right now we're, 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 we're smoking Atlanta United, which I know next year is going to be a little bit of a different story with Yosef, but we'll see how it goes down. But the next player that we are going to lose is is really the player that has teamed a lot of conversation over the year, and especially towards the back end. And I'm kind of pointing out that Toronto FC match. But Mr. Ben Sweat is no longer a part of the club. You can cheer, you can cry, do whatever you want. But he is now on Austin FC. The man was traded for $100,000 of GAM money. So he is over in Austin FC. You know, we appreciate everything Ben did for the club. You know, he was, you know, whether you think of positively or negatively enough, he he was also a consistent starter on our back line. And that's some shoes that we're going to have to fill. All right. All right. All right. On his way to Matthew McConaughey. I SC, know you man. He like, yeah, I mean, outside of David Beckham, <laughs> not that he's an athlete, but Matthew McConaughey just being an awesome person to be able to say you work for. Uh, yeah. And, you know, what sucks for us is we're definitely going to use a few listeners, uh, lose a few listeners because uh, Ben Sweat's family was, you know, pretty pretty avid uh, Inter Me podcast fans, and uh, would would reach out to us and message us quite often. But you know, best of luck to Ben. Uh, again, we've, we've had him on the podcast. He is through and through a, a great guy. I know, you know, kind of love hate situation. Uh, there were times he looked great. There were times, you know, people really were upset at something that that had happened, particularly in that uh, that Toronto game. But you know, I, you know, at least hundred k gam is is not you know, invaluable. So that we could, we'll definitely use that, you know, in the future and to, to at least get that. And then, you know, send him on to a club who I think could really use him, you know, in their first season, looking to build their roster. Cause you know, say what you want about the guy. He is an experienced player in the league. He's done, he's done a lot of good, you know, some bad, but Hey, that's kind of the nature of the game, I suppose. But we will, uh, we'll see, and um, you know, we'll see him out there on the uh, the opposite side from us on on the pitch eventually. Yeah, and you know, not to be too stagnant on Ben there. Ben, we wish you the best of luck. Again, we said it. He joined us on the podcast. Love that guy. But moving on, Andreas Reyes, he is no longer here, Jay. Yes, he's back with Nacional. We did not exercise his buy option off the loan deal that we'd worked out with Nacional. Um, this 
yeah, you know, I could kind of see this going either way because I think he had a lot of brilliant moments, a couple boneheaded moments, definitely heavy on the yellow card accumulation, had to miss a couple games. Then he took the, uh, I think it was a orbital injury to where he's wearing the mask. Uh, he's a talented player. I'm sure that he, you know, will have a, a very, um, you know, phenomenal career, but it's just unfortunately not going to be with, uh, with Inter Miami. So he looks to be back with Nacional unless they loan him or, or trade him somewhere else. Um, yeah. Which is another player we are losing who is on our starting back line. Yeah, um, you know he wasn't always a starter, but he definitely started a, a, a lot of games. When and, he didn't have know. a broken nose, it was an L for yellow card allocation. He was our starter. Uh, you know, like I think the way he started the season looked great, right? He was he was just he was playing primo, but he got a little overzealous in they, some. Yeah, points there of the were a season. lot of boneheaded yeah. fouls that yeah. I, I think that they just wanted to to kind of move a, away from, and um, you know, kind of moving on to you know a very similar you know player, kind of almost one of his counterparts is uh, you know Alvis Powell who. Uh, the Jamaican International Force. Actually, I'm going to say RIP, Alvis. I'm going to give you a little air horn on your way out there, buddy. Uh, he didn't really get too much playing time with us, but it uh, looks like he could be making his return to the Portland Timbers. Is that not enough for you? A more air horn? <laughs> Did you? I got you, bro. Say less. Just See, the give funny thing is, is people listening don't know you as well as I do. And I think you hit the wrong button. No, I hit the single. <laughs> I, have a, I have a single air horn, then I have a, a club Kind of combo air horn over here. Yeah, but what's this do? That's the one that you were looking for there, Brad. No, I'm trying to send my Jamaican out with a Jamaican dance hall air horn, man. Jeez, go out and get some culture. All right? Shit. Alvis, best of luck to you, man. Hopefully you go back home to uh, the Portland Timbers. I know that they will take you back with open arms. Stop. Get your hands off here. You're not hitting me more sound. I like buttons anyway. Anyway, this moves on to our next player who is leaving. Funny enough, it's another player who's leaving. And this is our captain, oh, captain, oh, captain. And this is a huge friend of the podcast. Even his father, Al Robles, shout out, was a big fan of the podcast. So, Mr... Luis Robles will be leaving our club. It sounds like he's debating retirement, even though I had texted the man and said, I wish you a great career. He's like, I don't know about that. It seems like seems like he's focused on a little bit of things outside of soccer, which, again, is happening some big-time moves in the business world. But it sounds like the man is open to some potential new employment with a different club. But Luis is no longer on our team. Uh, he did start for pretty much... I probably say about 70 to 60% of the matches over the course of the season. He did have his season cut out short with an injury that has the man left with a scar that is not to be denied. But, you know, it was a great, great career. If it is his final career, we wish him all the best. He was our captain of our first inaugural season. And, you know, a little bit of a tidbit about Lewis is that he was the actual 2015 goalie of the year in the entire MLS. Uh, boy, <laughs> we got a new we got a new equipment here, and Jay is having some fun. If you can't tell, I am, I am. But uh, yeah, I mean, what do you say about Lewis, right? I mean, is it, you talk to him; he's, he's an amazing human being, uh, dedicated hard worker, dedicated family man. Uh, he hits every, he checks off every box that you look for an individual. Uh, I hope that he can, you know, continue on his career. Uh, you know, he's not in- incredibly old, um, but you know, according to you, he's uh, he's made some very smart investments. So maybe he's going to get into the venture capitalist side of the house. But uh, you know, I think even if someone like Lucas Robles retires, right? I mean, he was one of the leaders of the uh, players' union, right? 
I think that he will he stay active. Yeah, president. So I think he will stay, you know, active in the MLS and the soccer yeah, universe, soccer sphere, whatever you want to call it, to to make sure that you know it's moving in the right way, and he's providing as much uh, care and concern and safety for the players and everyone involved. I'm glad you said that because this is someone that the MLS doesn't want to lose. This is yeah. this person yeah. has known around the league as just a stand-up great guy. And, you know, if that's, you know, offering him a position inside the league office as being, you know, a special consultant or being an advisor or whatever that may be a part of, you know, it's a, it's an unfortunate day when the MLS loses someone like Luis Robles. So we're we're hopeful that he's going to stay a part of the organization as a whole, but you know, he does have other ventures and we wish him the best of luck. However, his life career, I know he's a big family guy, you know, takes the journey. He's going to do great in whatever he does. And, you know, Jay, that leaves us to our next departure, which I know is a big we blow do, for we you. Do, but one more thing. He will always go down as the first ever captain he will. of Inter Miami. He will. So shout out, hats off uh, to Luis Robles. Uh, so yeah, moving on. You know, I'm just going to group these two together because we don't really know much about where they're heading. But we are uh, losing Jerome Kiesewetter. Um, honestly, Rudiger from Chelsea, who's a defender, was like, I used to play in the attack, and he gave a shout-out to Jerome Kiesewetter. And uh, Rudiger might even go to Barcelona. So when a player like that's giving out a shout-out to you know, Jerome Kiesewetter, it's, it's, it's awesome. I I know I think we can speak for both of us. We would have loved to see a little bit larger of a sample size of, of some Jerome Kiesewetter action, but uh, he will be moving on, as well as Denzo Ulissi, who we did not even see at all. A younger guy, Haitian defender, but he is moving on uh, as well. So, you know, per usual, wish you guys the best of luck and uh, we'll, we'll keep tabs on you and, uh, you know, hopefully be able to provide some some updates if you guys really start balling out and uh, and blowing up in the, uh, the, the soccer sphere, the football sphere, whatever that word is called. Or who knows? Maybe we may see someone like Jerome, you know, come down to our USL team. And, you know, well, he was loaned out, but I think he's, I don't think he wants to play for you. You know, he, he, I think he's a better, he knows he's a better player for that. So the yeah. world acts in weird ways, Jay. You know, if things aren't going right, take a left. I, yeah. Okay. Well, fair. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what to say to that. So I'm going to say fair. All right. All right. Solid. So, yeah, we touched on Denzo. So, those are the nine players. Again, really high level. We're talking about AJ De La Garza, Will Trap. Mikey Ambrose, Ben Sweat, Andreas Reyes, Luis Robles, Alvis Powell, Jerome Kiesewetter, and Denzel Ulysses, who will no longer be a part of the Inter-Miami club. Yes. I know. This feels very like, somber. I mean, I want, we want to be more excited about it, but, you know, with all due respect, you know, we, we, I think we like each, each of these players. So uh, we're looking forward to the rebuild. So are we, but you know, somber is what's going to happen in when you lose nine players on your club, man. But I got to ask, man, like out of all these players that are leaving our team, which player do you think is going to have the biggest blow to our squad? Uh, if I had to pick one player, I mean, I think there's several in here that we definitely could use in some capacity, but I think Will Trap is, is pretty, pretty glaring. I think that in maybe in a different formation, we could utilize him in another way where, you know, he would be a, a, a game in game out starter, but even, you know, if not, I still think he's a great player. We could have come off the bench and, um, you know, just someone that's reliable. I think it's going to be hard to find just a player who is well-rounded, you know, he might not be the all-star stud game breaker, but he's definitely someone that, you know, we could benefit from. So I think he's going to be the one that would hurt the most. I got to agree, man. I got to agree. I think people are going to discount 
Ben when he leaves, but other people might also set parades off. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's kind of 50-50 on that one, depending on, on who our listeners are. But, you know, just, I guess, kind of flipping the question back on you, just with this reshuffling, I mean, who are you looking at to have a greater impact in the new season in 2021? Man, I'm looking at, um, damn, two really, really young players. And there's one that's going to be noticeably lost off my list. But one is Dylan Nealis, who we actually drafted number three. Recognize how I just said that? Number three. Not our first overall draft pick, which is Mr. Robbie Robinson. And also not the draft pick that went over to our neighbors up north, Mr. Daryl DK, which again, that's for another day. But I would say Mr. Dylan Nealis is going to see a much, much, much bigger role on our club, even though I feel like for most of the season he did uh, show his appearance uh, quite frequently. But I think he's going to get a little bit more of a starting position here on our club. And I think he deserves a, a, a larger position. I don't know if it's going to be a starter yet, um, but he definitely had more of an impact than than Robbie did, which is unfortunate to say. Uh, but now Robbie's going to have to fight for time with Gonzalo Higuain and, and Julian Carranza. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, It is a rough scene, the DK number five. You know, we could mm-hmm. add DK with number one or number three, but yeah, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty, right? It is. And unfortunately for Robbie, he is up against some pretty stiff competition by the names of Gonzalo Iguain and Lewis Morgan. So we'll see how he does uh, in competitive nature moving into this next year. But the last player has got to be Christian McCoon. He's someone that we have been pretty high on through consistently throughout this podcast. And he's someone who got some playing time towards the back end of the season. He also is a player who spent a decent amount of time over on our USL club, which is not a bad thing because as you're developing these young players, we want them to have playing time. He would never have seen the pitch over in the MLS. So hopefully he is someone that the team is eyeing to see some progress on over the summer or over the offseason and throughout the last season and someone can step in with these uh, folks leaving. Yep. I mean, there's going to be plenty of room for people to step up, uh, you know, in these especially roles. on our back line, too. Yeah. And if we just go by simple math here, if we want quick math, I know we like quick math on the show. Don't MLS, quote us on this. MLS roster size is 30 players. We have now lost nine, which should put us at 21. Those numbers will change as we get to the, uh, the bottom of this episode. But we still have significant amount of players, uh, if my math is correct eight more spots to fill. So stay tuned. We will see what happens, what the decisions are. I'm hoping David Beckham really um, gets involved here. Yeah, really our two, or really our most prominent spot that we really felt the most comfortable being, which is our back line, has now lost two starters. And that is Andreas Reyes, who started most of the year, and then Ben Sweat. So like we said, some players got to step up. <laughs> to be fair, we Thought that was our most secure spot, but we did see a Swiss cheese defense out there a lot of times. But uh, other, you know, kind of moving on to uh, to breaking news, there was a uh, the CBA, they enacted their clause majeure. And and to what I understand, this is an agreement upon agreed upon in 2020, what was finally approved. Uh, And there are some, you know, kind of, I guess, more finite uh, key points to this. So why don't you kind of break down uh, what this entails and what we're looking at here? Yeah, this this really covers five full seasons. And this agreement was completed really by the help of someone who we just mentioned, Mr. Luis Robles, who is a president, a part of the Players Union, which is a pretty big deal when you think about it. Definitely a leader in leader quality traits. Yeah. I don't know how long the applause goes. I'll send it. 
my man. So <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the the basically the the agreement was executed. Um, it's going to go ahead and take effect. Uh, there are nine main points for the MLS that are worth noting. There are a few more. So if you are interested, go ahead and look up the new CBA agreement. Pretty cool. But for those of you who are unfamiliar with what the CBA may stand for, that is the collective bargaining agreement, which is really the relationship between the players and at the end of the day, the owners, which are a part of the league. So the main topics to really talk about is an increased investment in player spending, which is going to increase over $2.2 million, which is huge because if you're a fan of the podcast, you know what Jay and I talk about all the time, which is really just increasing increased spending for the players, right? You know, those players that are domestic to the United States that we want to keep as football players instead of moving into some of those other major sports. So it's going to go ahead and increase the salary by $2.2 million, which will also increase the 401k increase, which is so important to retirement funding uh, from $8.5 million in 2019 to $11.6 million in 2024. So that's a big deal, Jay. I wonder what's that that will put the max salary cap at. I don't know that math. That's not quick math. Yeah, that's not quick math. <laughs> so man, I don't know. But, I'm, uh, I'm curious to see, you know, how much more we come north of like 480k, right? Is that obviously more money the better? But uh, stay tuned. We'll, we will we will look into that and come back with a uh, finite answer. Absolutely. Stay tuned in the next episode. Cliffhanger there, y'all. But a greater salary budget flexibility across rosters is the other main point. And, you know, some of you listening may be saying, like, what the heck is that? That sounds exactly like what your previous point was, was increased investment of player spending. Well, during the last three seasons of the MLS through 2017 and 2019, clubs were provided an additional $1.2 million per season in TAM money, which is targeted allocation money to be used for the acquisition of retention of players within a certain salary budget range. Now, under the new CBA, that $1.2 million per season has now been converted into GAM money, which is different than TAM money, and may be used across the entire roster. So that is one caveat that's going to be switched here, and I know it's a little bit confusing. Um, again, if you want more clarity, go ahead and look it up because it's much more convoluted than myself and Jake. <laughs> We've covered it. this in previous episodes. There was between TAM and we have and no GAM. interest in going back. It is TAM is more specific than GAM. So if they're going to open it up to, um, you know, to 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 GAM to general allocation money, then that will. Uh, Make it easier across the the, the league, mm-hmm. but it looks like just to put this in, into perspective uh, as far as like player spending and and, and kind of salary cap goes. Uh, in twenty nineteen, it was eight point five million, and it's going to be eleven point six million uh, by twenty twenty four. So kind of gradually increasing up to to what we could pay players. Yeah, so that's the general salary cap rule that we're talking about here, outside of the TAM and the GAM money that we just talked about, mm-hmm, but. Mm-hmm. You know, moving into the third point is really a really a big one. It's a hot topic around players unions and associations across any sport right now. And that's really the players share in media revenue. So for the first time, players spend per club will include a share of increased revenue generated by the MLS under the new media agreements in 2023 
2024. So what does that mean? So beginning in 2023 and 2024 trailing off, the MLS will increase player spending by an amount equal to 25% of the increased media revenue in the league in 2022. So what does that mean in its totality? Free money. Well, not exactly free money. Nothing exactly free as we learn when we get older. So shout out to you younger listeners. You know, enjoy it while you can. But, uh, you know. <laughs> you will have to pay back those credit cards, okay? Exactly, right? Credit cards aren't just money existing on trees that you can just pull the, the, the few dollars off of and pay for your candy bar. But, uh, but yeah, so as media revenue will increase across the various outlets like we've discussed, your you know, you, you know, your ESPNs, your ABCs, your, you know, what, what other networks, Jay? We got, we got FUBU. Uh, I don't know, TuneIn, Univision, That's Fox all Sports, I need from you right NBC there, Sports. So as those agreements continue to increase per club and per league, the players will actually share in those increased of revenues up to the 25% mark that we just mentioned. So... Super, super it's quite exciting. nice because that is not uh, something that's incredibly common in the uh, the sports world. No, and you know what's also quite nice is our next point, which is the increase in compensation of charter flights. Flying in the PJs. And from what this stemmed from is actually really kind of COVID-related, right? Because, you know, these players who were consistently being tested for COVID couldn't take commercial flights. You know, they can't jump on your United or, you know, your JetBlues or, or you know, God, just your spirit airlines or something like that. But, you know, they, they can't jump on those flights because due to risk of COVID. So, you know, what the league has taken a part of them, you know, not just a luxury, but also a safety precaution measure, which I think kind of played in, in kind of perfect timing with everything, is that the clubs will be, re- use, will be required to use charter flights for eight legs of travel during the 2020 regular season, which will actually increase it to 16 legs in 2024 so that's in four years those are going to actually double double and that is just the agreement portion right that's not saying that like david beckham and jorge mas can create private flights on their own but this collection bargaining agreement with the players and with the association is what's basically mandatory throughout the entire league understandable okay okay fair enough now this this the next part we're going to get into is is, i'm curious because you know, a lot of people are calling for these rules to be changed, right? And, and what I'm referring to is the, the three designated players, uh, with one of those being a young designated player. A lot of people are hoping that they either expand it to five designated players with either one or two young designated players or just do away with the young designated player uh, tag and just allow three pure designated players. It doesn't look like we're there yet, but there seem to be some changes on under 22 players and designated player spots. So what's the latest on that? Yeah, well, you're right. You know, unfortunately for the MLS fans that didn't get enough superpower, you know, uh, power out there is that we're not going to increase it to five designated players. We're going to continue with three, but beginning in 2001, the MLS will have the discretion. 2001? To 2001, man. We got one year. to Actually, this is 2001. <laughs> 2021 let's go 2001 we were i was in seventh grade i remember oh wow i said 2001 i I remember being in the music room in my grade school when 9 11 happened god i was 10 oh you're absolutely right holy smokes well we don't need to bring up we need to date ourselves like that now i mean but hey we're not that we're young we're hip yeah you know (laughs) facial hair you know there's a couple gray hairs coming out this uh salt and pepper here but 
Anyway, we won't bore you too much. <laughs> uh, so the club will have the discretion to sign up to three designated players. Um, now, those players who are 22 years old or younger will be able to be signed at a reduced salary budget. Now, that doesn't sound like that big of a difference, but I think it's more pertaining to those young DPs, which in our case is your Mateus Pellegrini. Yeah, so I'm wondering, like, so if you found a stud that made, you know, you had to pay him like two million a year, right? Like a young up and coming, like say, I don't know, Colombian, Argentinian, Brazilian, uh, someone like that. It, it, this kind of sounds like maybe their salary would be like a million a year, but you could get it reduced a little bit based off this rule. It's maybe like, I don't know what. 600,000 then work it down from Tam or Gam from there out. Yeah, I mean it kind of coexists with kind of this other last main point which is really that the league will have the right to limit the compensation of that third designated player to the maximum of the Tam salary, which again that mm. goes back to the Tam and the Gam and again way too convoluted. Go ahead and google it. That's why Google exists. But it will go ahead and play to the maximum of the Tam salary unless the player is 23 years old or younger, which in case there'll be no limit so again we're dealing with more younger players here all right well let's um first of all yeah, thank you thank you for yeah, that take a drink yeah. if uh you were listening to that there <laughs> let's um uh, let's go ahead and digress to easier things to process in one's <laughs> mental capacity um but yeah so stay tuned on that that'll be morphing over the next few years and then who knows maybe in 2024 2025 2026 something like that we can uh get an increase in, in DP slots or or maybe some of those uh, rule changes that we're looking for. But let's get to some positives, man. We're talking about this was delayed. This is probably three weeks delayed, but they finally did do it. We did re-sign our loving Viking fighter. You may know him as Breck Shea. We call him the Golden Eagle. I don't know. I just made that up. But uh, he will be coming back for us. Uh, cannot... Be more excited for Breck Shea. He battled through some injuries after like a resurgence resurgence in his career. It's not an Alex Smith situation, but he did tear his knees up pretty bad. To, so to be able to see him come on with Fort Lauderdale CF, get promoted up to Inter-Miami, and then come on and make such an impact. Uh, we are all so excited to have Breck Shea for a, another season with the squad. Yeah, our 2020 Best Hair Award winner. Uh, to be fair, he'd win it every year that he's lived, probably. Well, you know, we may see a repeat, you know, this year. But he is back on the club. And crazy enough, Jay, he was actually our second leading scorer last year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <that's, laughs> Props to breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. But, uh, but yeah, four goals, which is not saying that much. But he only had 13 appearances. Uh, he was... Uh, yeah, this man. This man's played over in two thousand or sorry, two hundred and thirty MLS matches. Good sir. You're not and good at quick math. No, nah, man. It's not really my strong suit. But he was injured at the end of the season, which is why we didn't see him. He got banged up. His knee was a little bit uh under the I guess it's just propped up on a stretcher or something like that. He could was have playing. Been. Could have been. We 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 were wondering to the, what the extent of the knee injury was. The club kept it under wraps for a while. It looks like it was it was worse than, than what it was. But yeah, in addition to his two hundred thirty MLS uh caps, he also has eighty caps with the uh the United States men's national team. So, um, again, no, this is crazy because, like, this is someone I saw when I was in high school, you know, playing on the like the U twenty two, U nineteen clubs and um, or stage rather. And then um, 
you know, fast forward, here we are, and uh, we're covering him. He's on the, the MLS team we happen to run a podcast for. But, uh, yeah, I was very happy to have Breck Shea back. Um, moving on to other news, this seems out of place, but we're going to go ahead and shout it out. Lewis Morgan named team MVP. Uh, that is very relevant news. We also named him the MVP, so we're, we're on the right track. We were a few weeks earlier than the club, I guess. Yeah. Hey, you know. It is what it is. You know, sometimes they take our content, sometimes they don't. But in this case, I think they agreed with us. You have to. You have to. Uh, other teams are interested, however. There are some uh, European teams, some English teams, lower level uh, champions uh, teams. And it uh, looks like he's staying. So knock on wood, keep him here. Uh, we'll see what happens. Better he does, the hardest to be able to keep him, though. But uh, we did have one new acquisition. So we go from 21 players as of now to 22 that leaves us eight open spots we are talking about a young man also from the 2020 mls uh super draft okay so we had robbie robinson in our first pick we had dylan nealis in our third we know daryl dk went with the fifth uh, pick to orlando because it torments us <laughs> so often but uh the 10th pick was a gentleman by the name of Patrick Segrist. And he was acquired from uh, New York Red Bulls in exchange for a 2021 MLS Super Draft third round pick. He played three games with the Red Bulls, uh, had a pretty coveted career with Marquette, who are the Golden Eagles. If anyone in Miami uh, does not love Marquette, you should love Marquette. They gave Wade you County. the great... Dwayne Wade, there we go. They Wade you County, baby. Jay Crowder. They, what about they, him? They, they've got some. They they got some ballers Wade that come Nation. out of there. I know about Marquette quite well. Growing up as a Louisville kid, uh, Big East, old Big East basketball. Uh, shout out Marquette. Uh, so yeah, we have him. He is a uh, he's a defender. Uh, pretty interesting uh, highlights. Very um, gifted with servicing, with uh, you know creating chances, crosses in. Uh, you know, fairly aggressive defender. He only played, uh, I think, three games for the Red Bulls, but he definitely has some potentials. This is a young guy that uh, the team is is going to take a gamble on, right? And if he can be anywhere near where his draft position would have him, or anywhere you know near what Dylan Dylan Nealis would be. Uh, then we should, you know, have a pretty decently bright future for uh, for individuals we draft. Patrick Segrist, welcome to the club. And as Jay mentioned, he had three appearances in his rookie campaign. The only thing concerning, right? And the Red Bulls, they they were pretty they were pretty good. They beat us, you know, they're pretty solid, pretty solid. We can be mediocre, but it's all good. But uh, you know. <laughs> The only thing concerning with him, right, is that he was in a he, he was a third round pick out of the Super Draft in 2020, right? So he started the first two games for the Red Bulls, but didn't make another start after the first two games. So kind of brings some concerns into my world. Was he battling injuries? Was he dealing with a little bit of a better player off the bench? Did he lose his starting spot? What happened during that time? But he is on our team nonetheless. Yeah. So. You know, it could have been an injury, but what we do know know about New York Red Bulls is that they are a, a very pressing defense, a high pressing defense as well. So, um, you know, you, you kind of have to be you have to be at a certain caliber to play in that offense and not to you know continue about 
Louisville too much, but you know, Greb watching Rick Pitino, and that's not an offense you just or a defense rather that you just come in and, and jump in. That takes time to get in there when you play for a team that has a mainly like a defensive uh, presence as their nature, as their kind of style of play. You have to all be on the same page. You have to to literally be pressing in a in a system together. If you're the weak link, then the whole defense could fall apart. So I would like to, uh, you know, be positive and say like, Hey, it was, you know, young kid coming out of college. You know, they played him a little bit, but he wasn't where he needed to be yet to fully play in that system. Uh, we, at least now, unless, you know, Neville comes in or another coach comes in and we go to a high press kind of defense, um, you know, I think that he is a lot of potential here. So, you know, he's young, right? So, I mean, We've got Robbie, we've got Dylan, and now we have Patrick who are all, you know, low 20s, right? Young 20s. And there's a lot of potential here. Can you groom them? Can you get them to where you need to be? You know, you, if you look at the NBA, man, you, you take a couple good draft picks, they could change your whole your whole outlook for your, for your organization over the next five years if you do it correctly. And that could be this situation. Yeah, I mean, listen, you draft right or you may groom right, which is a perfect segue. Or you may trade right. That's in, basically the three pillars. Exactly. But to, to focus on the second one there, are there options home-growing players, right, from our academy, right, who's down in this area, who yeah. we build and, and talk about player development to hit that senior level of the MLS team, and there's one player that is a homegrown player that is going to now join our senior level squad here in 2021, and that's Felipe Valencia. It is. It is. I mean, I mean, we'll move on here, but like, I, I, I honestly, I, I have a pretty good, pretty good feeling about Patrick Seacrest. I think there's a lot of potential there, and look, you know, look to the club to develop him. But yeah, so let's get into this, right? This is uh, this is major news, Felipe uh, Valencia. Um, this is the first. Um, player that we've signed out of the academy and he happens to be uh very very young he, he is the 15th youngest player to sign a contract in mls but he um broke weston mckinney's who we mentioned earlier in the show plays at juventus with cristiano ronaldo uh, and paulo diablo and that, that awesome team uh but he uh he broke weston mckinney's record to become the youngest ever you SL score at 15 years old, which is uh, tremendous. He kind of came out of nowhere for us on the academy and ended up being a, a serious uh, product of that of that system. So now we're looking to get him up here. Uh, I mean, again, you know, it, it's 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 tough because now you're talking about Gonzalo Higuain, one of the most decorated scorers of the past 15 years. Uh, you look at Julian Carranza, highly coveted, a young player coming up. You look at Robbie Robinson, number one pick in the uh, super draft. And then, you know, where exactly is uh, Felipe uh, Valenzuela going to play? Here? You can play on the wing. You know, you play more centralized. Um, does he compete with Mateus? He's certainly probably not going to compete with Lewis Morgan or Rodolfo Pizarro, but you know, he's young. Just keep in mind, he's young. We might not be reaping the benefits for another two to three years. And we're talking about going up from the USL level to an MLS level, which why that, you know, gap might not be as you know significant as going from, you know, like one of the minor leagues in, in England over to the premier league or something like that. But there will still be a, a learning curve, but this is something to keep your eyes on. This could be a, a truly 
special story if he can find his feet on the MLS side as well. Very, very true, Jay. And I think that this pretty much puts Mateus Pellegrini on gut check right now. Because to your point, there's no way Lewis Morgan's getting touched. He's going to leave. He's going to transfer before we're ever going to have to go ahead and let him go. That's not a problem. Felipe is going to have to compete with Mateus. And I honestly like this because he's one player, especially claiming our young DP spot being the third, that really has to show up. Because in the MLS, mm-hmm. that's 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 a huge deal. You're allocating so much of your assets. I'm not going to say budget. I'm going to say assets to your designated player. And for Mateus Pellegrini to not be consistent or as much as we would like him to be consistent is a big problem. So It is, but you know, there is still adjustments that sometimes it takes, you know, sometimes you can jump in there seamlessly. Sometimes it takes longer. I, th- I think, you know, I think Pella Messi started to step it up towards the end of the season. He did. And we saw Can he that. build off that or not. That's the question. Well, Mateus was actually our player towards the back end of season one that we were most looking forward to seeing number is season number two, right? He's, yeah. he's someone that we're really hoping can make strides, you know, over his first MLS season and moving into the off season and having, you know, that experience with, your world-renowned players like, you know, your Gonzalo's and your, you know, you know, my Tweeties and things like that. But if he doesn't perform this year, this is kind of the year that we're talking about judgment year. You know, Diego Alonso leaving was a little bit earlier, I think, for our taste, even though it seems like that there was a little bit more of a deep-rooted issue than what we may have been understanding throughout the season. But Mateus was the player that we looked at at the back end of season one is, you know, hey, this is someone who, you know, if he doesn't step up, we may have to reallocate this roster spot, but also asset to someone else. And, you know, Felipe joining the team has done nothing but impress. And funny enough, Jay, you know, you touched on a lot of stats about Felipe, but what you didn't say is that he actually joined the men's U under under 15 club in 2020 and performed pretty damn well. Nice, nice, and very good. And like, so here's the situation, right? He's 15, uh, young DP spot. You you have to be under 23. Mateus Pellegrini is 20, so he still is. Was, I don't know when his birthday is off the top of my head, but we're looking at probably two and a half, three years. There will become a situation where, you know, do we can we identify whether you know this probably won't be Felipe for right now, but maybe they identify someone else who you know is 21, 22, who might be more worth the DP tag and the money than than. Than Pellegrini, I think you know you want to talk players that are under pressure. I think Pellegrini has to be under an immense amount of pressure. Entering year two, entering Matias year two, is by far. Carranza's under pressure, but he's not. A, but not he's not a young. Day. He's not a young DP. And there's so a big difference in is, MLS. There is. So you know it'll be very interesting to see. I I do think that Mateus has a lot of talent. I think that it's got to be in the right way. I I don't think that he would work out in an Alonzo system. We saw that kind of time and time again. Does a Phil Neville system work? Does, you know, whoever else the head coach might be, does that completely change everything for him or not? And we don't have the answer. So I can't really, you know, label that one way or the other, but the talent's there. It's, it's more about settling into the system and the team. And I think right as Pellegrini started to get comfortable, the season was over and now the coach is gone. So everything's different. So kind of all for nothing, but we'll see if he can adjust to this new system. Yeah. And he's, he's what you call raw talent, right? You can see it in him mm-hmm. and then there's flashes on the pitch, right? It, it's developing that talent into a consistent talent, which is going to carry you throughout the season. Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. So we'll see what happens with, with Felipe. I mean, I, I wonder how much 
playing time he's going to get. You know, you see like a Caden Clark come in there and ball out. He's young uh, as heck as well. So, you know, shout out. I, 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 look, I hope he comes on. I hope he rips goals. We'll see. Well, there's I mean, another big standout too. Yes, there is one more. Um, we're talking about uh, Edison Ascona, correct? Yep. You got it, boss. Yep. Uh, he was just called up to the Dominican Republic's uh, senior national team, actually. He's also an, a young winger, um, and he is going to join the team ahead of a pair of friendlies against Puerto Rico and Serbia. Again, we're talking Dominican Republic's national team uh, in preparation for the World Cup and Olympic qualifier. So he's a stand on the academy, uh, really impressed at, at that level, and he earned uh, League One all-team or all-league second-team honors. Uh, and actually finished as a finalist for the League One Young Player of the Year award. This is impressive, man. This is just after one year of the academy. It is. It you is. Know, we got like, two standouts too. We got two standouts, big time. And this, and this is what we're talking about, right? Like you put together a state of the art training facility like we have in Fort Lauderdale right now, right? That that is that is a mecca that we're talking about. And you take all of these players across the South Florida, even expanding out to the Orlando, the Tampa, the Bradenton, the Naples, the Sarasota area, you're talking about a really freaking good talent pool that really isn't tapped into as much, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's what we've been talking about and why the MLS has wanted a team down in Miami for so long is because they understand that there is a fresh, a young talent pool down here that is not tapped. And, you know, you talk about the Bradenton area and the IMG facilities and, you know, the players that they produce across, you know, not just nationally, but across the world. And that's what we're looking to establish here. So, you know, it's not just looking at bringing in players from the European leagues or other teams across the MLS. It's about player development. And I think, you know, one player comes to mind, you know, greatly, and that's on the Philadelphia Union and seeing, God, why is that? Brendan Aronson. Brendan Harrison going overseas and playing for uh, uh, RB Salisbury. RB Salisbury, right? Like those are players that, you know, you get at a discounted price, right? When you bring in your Pizarros and your Iguayans, those are big ticket players. And luckily yeah. enough, we had the Matuidi here that was signed at a deal that I don't still think to this day anyone really understands how that got done. But, <laughs> you know, you start talking about these lower. McDonough's uh, going to be in prison in five years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going to draw this back to this point. But, uh, but no, these are really how you get your snags, right? You know, you want to start comparing it to other you know or associations around the world right your mbas your nfl consider these your your rookie level contracts right where your Dak prescott's and your lamar jackson's and you know your kyler murray's are playing for literally hundreds of thousand dollars when their contract renews it's going to be millions and millions of dollars yeah. so that's really the comparison that if you want to take a, a an american association and compare it to the kind of world level in the soccer that's what you want to look at it like 100 percent, man and I mean, like so your girlfriend's canadian like we'll put this is the most Canadian since we can, right? We have a, a, a whole forest of maple trees down here in South Florida, and no one's been tapping in to get that sweet, sweet syrup, man. These guys are ready to go on some hot and ready pancakes and waffles and drop some goals, baby. Or if you're Californian like myself, you know, you walk up to a fresh avocado tree and you start pulling things down that are ripe. You know, you got yourself a nice little avocado toast. But anyway, Jay, I know this is a big part of the podcast that you were looking forward to, my friend, because I think you think that you can challenge us, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Don't put it out there, but I'm always down. 
Um, yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about the uh, the EMLS right now. And uh, Inner Miami has made its first ever uh, esports athlete signing, which I find funny because to group the term esports and athlete into the same <laughs> word or phrase is a little interesting to me because they're not always fit if you will but uh yes inter miami sign venezuelan native and south florida resident but most importantly this man has got to be greek and i know that it, it really excites alex papa george because his last name is georgiacopolis but we're talking about Pablo Georgiakopoulos, he will be representing Inter-Miami in the club's first ever season into the EMLS. Uh, again, their first eSports athlete signing his tag. He plays on PS4, PS5 because he doesn't have an Xbox gamer tag. So I'll probably never be able to play him because I'm team Xbox till I die. But he goes by IMCF underscore Pabs, P-A-B-S, like Pablo Pabs. Uh, he will play in EMLS Series 1, which started on January 5th. The tournament will consist of four days of qualifiers with four games. Uh, each of the first three days, two games on the last day. Uh, so he will compete with other EMLS players from the other clubs in the MLS. We're talking about 27 other EMLS players right now. Qualification dates are obviously January 5th, January 6th. Then we have a little break, January 12th and January 13th uh again two qualifications on the very last day so that's a total of 14 qualification matches same point system we use here in mls league play and really any soccer league or watch their league play three points for a win one for a draw zero for a loss and this will give you a player total over those 14 matches then the top eight gamers will compete on the League One Series live stream knockout rounds, which will be taking place on a dedicated Twitch MLS channel. We are talking about a $70,000 tr- prize pool altogether, but winner gets 15K, a very nice trophy, and points that will go towards a berth in the EMLS Cup. 2021, which is different than the EMLS Series 1. So we now are in two days so far. The next uh, round of qualification matches will be on Tuesday, since this is uh, the 10th on a Sunday. Uh, But day one, Pabs came out with seven points, two wins, one tie, one loss. Day two, Pabs came out with that heat, brought home 10 points off three wins and one draw. Brings it to a total of 17 points. That puts him at fifth place on the table decently clear ahead of the uh the cutoff he needs to be at so if you are into fifa if you are into esports or if you just like supporting inner miami in every single facet that you can go ahead check out our boy micf underscore pabs representing the team and we will hopefully begin an interview with him soon and i know what you're thinking jay and myself we didn't get the invite. I know we didn't get the invite, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but you know I know. Oh, shot, I forgot. I do have a little beef. Out. Finish, and then uh-huh. I got a little beef with this. Okay. All right, all right, hit me. No, finish. Oh man, I was ready for you. But shout out Grata three hundred five too. Those guys are big supporters of the FIFA family. We're excited to see this thing grow. I know Jay and myself play fans all the time. And actually, Jay, who is the moderator of the Inter Miami FIFA group? I'm one of them. 
<laughs> I'm one of them, yeah. I created it, yes. I know. Don't look at me, dude. That was a shout out on your I don't prey, know why so. you're laughing at me creepily and staring at me. Yes, yes. Because I, I have to. <laughs> I, I am along with uh, with some others. Yeah, that that's, uh, that's a group we, we made. We have PS4. We have Xbox as well. So if you play FIFA, if you're an Miami fan and you want to get down, uh, go ahead and join that one. Um, but yeah, so my only like, I know I mentioned beef. My only beef with this is is that it's it's pro clubs competition so is pro clubs competition basically sponsored by mls teams so that means that like i saw pab's team uh like he's got a cristiano ronaldo or maybe it was ronaldo the the old school brazilian who i love but i would respect it more if it was the actual mls team rosters and not you know whatever you know ultimate team that uh that you could come up with but that's my only beef with it but uh just to update uh the group for xbox and ps4 fifa competitions between inner miami la familia and all the fans is inner miami cf slash fifa 21 uh gamer group and you can go ahead and get in there uh and get on man we we get some tournaments going we we, we have some fun in there it's a, it's a good time so anyone is welcome to join uh i'm a moderator as well as oscar um uh, and a uh, another jay as well there you go another jay shout out to that other jay but that is it we are here at the end of season two episode one or as i like to call it season two episode 49 yeah no one's calling it that it's season two episode one all right that was a bit long so thank you for uh for tuning in with us uh, we really do appreciate the time. We are very happy to be back on the mics and, uh, you know, quite a bit of news to download with you guys. We will, I don't know if we'll be back in a week, maybe two weeks where, you know, as the news increases, we'll get back, but we'll be back to our typical weekly form. Huge, definitely way before the huge updates starts. waiting to happen. Just stay on your seats, put your pants on, wear your socks, do that whole thing. But as myself and Jay leave every episode, we must go ahead and say, Vamos, Miami. Miami.